This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. G'day, how are you going? Phil Tarrant, co-host, Investing Insights with the Right Property Group, joined by Steve Waters and Victor Kumar, directors, Right Property Group, and we're just chatting offline. It's just aged me horribly. I reckon I'm looking pretty good, but um, uh, Steve Waters, otherwise, Vic, I think just, I don't know, must get a lot of manicures and pedicures <laughs> and, and and a lot of uh, spa treatments, but 10 years we've known each other, 10 plus years we've known each other, uh, at least two market cycles. That's how we classify time in the property game. How many market cycles we know each other, Steve? Two, three? Be more, be more than two. And I just want to go back to that initial point that you made about I'm looking pretty good, says you. We'd beg to differ. I think, the listen, I think the listener would as well. In fact, I've, I've got a photo of you in your neon highlighter blue suit, yeah. which I was going to put up on our socials, but you had a bit of a tanty and said, please, let's not do that. Let's... Let's not well, do that. The main reason why, Steve, is I didn't want to embarrass you because uh, I wear lows, you wear something a little bit inferior to that. So um, I didn't want I didn't want anyone thinking that you couldn't afford it. You're, you're probably hot shot driving around advising people on where to it buy was, property, and you're dressed like a peasant. Mate, I don't advise them where to shop, and I probably su- <laughs> I probably suggest you don't either. With well, you actually do. You're much not like you're, you're just like a good tailor. You, uh, you you look at you look at what people are trying to uh, present themselves to the world, and you dress them appropriately with property. That's what you do, that's, mate. That's why you wear Okanui's. I do, and sluggers. I do Fashion like stylist. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been it's, a long time. Um, so, how many market cycles have we know each other? Give me a number. I'd say I'd say there'd be six. We've known another six market cycles. Yeah, because there, there, there are many different cycles as well, Phil, right? And and different states have cycles. And even within cycles of um, in a state, there are suburban cycles within that as well. Because um, when you're talking about cycle, people tend to think just, um, you know, prices going up or prices going down uh, in terms of property. But if you look at it on a very high level, you've got the price cycle, you've got the rent cycle, then you've got the finance cycle. And uh, on that, you've also got the media cycle as well. So there are a lot of cycles that we need to look at and they all interweave into each other. So it's not just looking at just the one aspect of property investing. It's it's a complicated, I think in one of the podcasts, uh, we, we discussed that property investing is like a bowl of spaghetti, right? It's, it's all interwoven and really you, you've got to, Take one thread and go down, but you've got to pass through all of these other nodes along the way as well. I it's- think, um, in relation to what Phil's saying, though, is the, the top line cycles. Mm. If we have a look at that, Phil, and in relation to what you just mentioned, being only two. So, whilst we've known each other, there's been the, the GFC cycle one, there's been the finance environment after that cycle two, there's been APRA. Cycle three, there's been the election when the the Liberals won. That was a huge instance to propel a or to create another cycle. So that's four. We had COVID five. We've had now what we're experiencing now six. So just on the the generalised term around cycles, there's been six. But as Vic said, there's been all those other little, I guess, market 
movements along the way. And I'd probably suggest there was three or four in between each of those major it's ones in different areas. Yeah. 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 And, and this is the point. There's this big uh, misnomer in, in property investment. I said one, two market cycles because most people think a market cycle is this 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 idea of our oh, property doubles in value every seven to twelve years, right? This is I don't know who made that up, but so most people think that is one market cycle. Seven to twelve years is one market cycle. So going back to how long we've known each other as a as a mechanism for for market cycles rather than years, yeah, it's at least six, probably seven, Steve, and and a whole bunch of mini cycles in in and wrapped up in between. So. You know, how do you get sense of this? And and you talk about markets uh, and being in the market, time in the market, and again, one of these sort of catch-all phrases that most um, uh, people are aware of or, or property people may use, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. Now, there's a to pull that apart, which I really want to do today because it's a bit philosophical, so dust off, Steve, you're you, tweed jacket with your arm patches and your pipe because we're going to get a bit academic. I know Victor will keep up with this, but um, you might need to start concentrating a little bit I'll more. probably struggle, yeah. You're yeah. struggle he's, he's already glazed over, man. He's already glazed over. But, you, you lost but, me with the tweed jacket comment. I was... <laughs> <laughs> but that's really important because a lot of people approach property with these these sort of mantras or doctrines or whatever you want to call it, right? A property doubles every 7 or 12 years. Well, that's largely BS. It depends where you're mm. buying might double in one year or two years. It might double in 40 years, and you see that as well. So not really stacking up. But then this other one, it's not timing. It's not time in the market. It's, it's not timing the market. It's time in the market. So you're talking about time, and time is a, a consequence of cycles. You know, we've known each other for six, seven cycles. And then the market, the market is just not properties going up or down. The market is what's inside your head. The market's what APRA is doing in changing um, uh, prudential uh, rules around lending money. Time is, uh, sorry, markets is global financial crisis. Markets impacted by elections. Markets impacted by inflation. Markets impacted by wars in Europe. Markets impacted by unemployment levels, access to debt. So the market is a lot more than just what property does up and down. So to deconstruct that idea of timing the market versus time in the market, it's probably something that you shouldn't be putting at the fore of your property investment decision-making, Victor. What do you think about that? You know, he's he's the guy who typically I go to for sensibility when it comes to these type of discussions. Look, I, I think uh, one of the important things that you did say was that, you know, people think that time in the market is one or two cycles, right? And this is Again, borrowing from the adage that property doubles in value seven to twelve years or seven to ten years, depending on who you who you subscribe to, and that's the assumption that the cycle is seven years or nine years or ten years or twelve years. We've shown through COVID, and we've shown through twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen that the cycles can be very compressed. So the advice that some people give you that you know, hold for one cycle or hold for two cycles, you'll do all right. And the thought process, okay, you got to hold for 20 years. This is where you really need to drill down to what, what you're really trying to achieve from that particular property within your portfolio. And that certainly determines the time that you hold onto because you, the time 
aspect in that is the end value or end result for that property, as opposed to the actual cycle itself. And then, uh, of course, both Steve and I have got properties that we've held through 10, 12 cycles that have not even doubled in value. In fact, they've gone backwards in in some, some of the cycles. So it's really important to understand that the first thing we need to look at is with the property that we're buying, what's the impact within the portfolio? And then more importantly, what's the result you're after in that property? Uh, People tend to otherwise become transactional, assuming that the market will do everything. It comes back to the asset selection, comes back to how that property fits in within your own investor profile and your own financial profile. And therefore, that dictates the result and where that particular property heads, which brings into into play the timing of purchasing that, the timing of perhaps working on that property and the timing of maybe even selling down. No one seems to be willing to talk about selling down properties. And this is something that you need to be weaving into your plan to say, make sure that we're addressing all aspects and taking advantage, therefore, the timing of the market to offload a property. So uh, if it's a property that's very poorly performing and uh, it's actually costing you money, not, not from not from dollars and cents, but opportunity, it may be killing your borrowing capacity as an example. A buoyant market like 2021, the timing would be great to offload that property and perhaps look at replacing it with another asset, better performing asset. I think that's a good point, Vic, because coming back to the time in and timing the market, which is what most people subscribe to, to either enter into the purchasing of property and then holding it forever to get the result. The only thing that I subscribe to in terms of time in and timing the market, well, not the only thing, but a major thing is, should I offload a property? That's when timing the market is is very, very important because- as we'll get into a little bit further on, all these other, not little, but major components which create the market, I want to be riding a very buoyant market if I'm selling. Mm. I'm not going to be selling before the timing of the market takes effect, whether it be on the upside or the, or the downside. But purchasing is a different bag of fish completely. So for those that subscribe to the strategy of, well, my strategy is about time timing the market, so the when, I would suggest that you're looking at it incorrectly. In fact, very, very wrong. It's a poor strategy if that is your strategy. But once again, on the retirement of an asset, well, then timing the market becomes very, very important. Now, we're not saying that you should be traders or flippers of property and and what have you, but from time to time, there may be a reason to sell a property. As you yep. say, it could be opportunity cost. It could be the retirement of debt or whatever it may mean uh, to you. But I also think something that you said earlier on about whether a particular property, what does it do to your portfolio if that's what it is with multiple properties, whether it be two or 22. I think the more pertinent thing to think about is how is it, how is this purchase going to affect my personal finances, mm-hmm. because you could have you could have the, the best intentions, have a great property and a great location with all the right fundamentals and growth patterns and what have you. But if it affects you negatively in terms of your personal finances to be able to control that property, well, then it's not worth it. You could have all the equity in the world, but if you can't sustain the debt, you've got nothing. Yep. Yep. 
And again, uh, I was talking to one of my clients recently uh, as part of my review process, and we were planning for what would happen in her portfolio once her loans go from interest only to principal and interest, which is in about three years' time, right? So we've got time on our side to plan these things. However, when we look at it and and we're working things out that uh, things will turn into principal and interest uh, in three years' time at, say, 5.5% interest rate, that would suck out about 50% of her net take-home pay, right, when that happens in her portfolio. So uh, the the timing of actually working on the portfolio is three years where we need to mitigate that cost because 50% of your net income into the portfolio is a huge cost. Now, she can sustain it. Her, her lifestyle is pretty frugal. And so uh, she's comfortable with it. But what we've done as part of making sure that the timing is right for her to invest is that we've brought forward, uh, even though the construction costs are fairly high, we've brought forward one of the granny flat constructions to anticipate the big change in cash flow in three years' time. Right Now, we're not trying to scramble to do it in year three. We're doing it well ahead, well early in the piece so that we can then also use timing of the market in terms of capitalizing opportunities as more opportunities open up in the next coming years so that she's not timed out of the market in the three years knowing that she's got this big sword hanging over her head uh, in terms of cash flow. So it's really important to understand that whilst everyone gets swayed by uh, the media articles, the success stories, the, the Facebook brags of how well they've done in terms of value increase, how well they've done their portfolio. We really need to bring it down to, is the time right for you in terms of whether it is adding an asset or should you bring forward a construction if that's your play? Or should you really uh, seriously look at perhaps evening the uh, out, out the play field for yourself? Taking another example of a, of a client just before we headed into the COVID lockdowns at, at the First, after the first lockdown, we elected to sell down a property because uh, he had a couple of things happening. One was that he was changing jobs. The second was that they were starting a family so down to one income. Uh, and he knew that when that happened, he would not be able to refinance his portfolio, even though he could do it right now at that point in time. So selling down was a good play to allow him to hold on to the rest of his portfolio. In other words, perform the time in the market for the balance of his portfolio without putting undue pressure on his financials, the personal financials. Because when there's undue pressure, the chances are that you would have to sell at the worst time possible and you would be highly, highly negotiable uh, and therefore leave a lot of money on the table. Yeah, it'd be more of a reactionary thing yeah. more so than pre-planned. And you know, when you re- react due to financial duress, you tend to make poor decisions or your yeah. back's against the wall. I think maybe a way to explain a bit around the, the timing and time in the market is more the timing and the time in the market is more from a macro approach, whereas realistically we want to be doing this from a micro approach. So it's all the movements, all the fundamentals that you need to be addressing well ahead of time to be able to enter the market. So the timing of the market is not the asset. Mm. That's yeah. not what we're referring to. Yeah, It's, it's a, more it, about all those other pieces, finance, lifestyle, income, 
expenditure. That's from a personal set of circumstances all the way through to, well, okay, if we know that this analogy of timing the market is the asset, what is it that actually drives the asset? Property doesn't wake up one day and say, it's it's time to go. It's the beginning of the cycle or the end of the cycle. Let's do our growth pattern or our you know, contraction in value. It's <laughs> Clearly, it's not as black and white as that. There is a series of components void of the asset that happen well beforehand. Mm-hmm. That's where the timing should be. Once again, whether it be personal, government, state, federal, infrastructure, Let's replace the asset with the word market. In other words, timing the market and say, okay, what creates the market? That's the timing piece to be ahead of the curve as opposed to following everybody else. Yeah, but just I agree. a sage reminder, guys, of, um, you know, there's this veneer of simplicity when it comes to property and, you know, you, you just get some money together to deposit, get a loan and, and buy a property somewhere. But there is so many moving parts. It's a property investment to do it properly. And, and and what you've just spoken about, you just sit there and most people just go, well, no, 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 the market is just prices going up or down, but you've just completely turned that on the head for me and you're telling me the market is is all of the different components which make up trends and make up market movements interconnected with your own personal circumstances, interconnected with your borrowing behaviours and what loans that you have. How do you make headway with all of this? Because again, it could I imagine a lot of people listening to this just going, I'm so complicated. I'm so confused now. I'm just not going to do anything because I don't understand it. Does all this stuff really matter that much? What do you reckon, Vic? I, I, I think that's that's the part. Most people, most people are too anxious to get started without getting all the foundations in place. Mm. Um, so you're really building a, a castle on really poor foundations and the first sign of uh, adversity, it'll collapse right mm. now. Obviously you don't want to be spending 20 years analyzing and, and be a gunner, you know, going to do this, going to do this. We need to really be looking at it from a viewpoint of, uh, again, the earlier you start, the more time you have, uh, with the portfolio to work on the portfolio. But at the same time, you'd also be very mindful of uh, getting swayed with, you know, slick marketing, your your um, uh, Facebook brags in that sense, to make sure that you're actually making decisions based on your circumstances. Now, you'd be living under a rock not to know that properties performed really well over COVID, right? And it practically, in, in some markets, added about 60, 70% of, of its value. But for some, the timing for them was not right. So if you're going into COVID and you're losing your job, there is huge uncertainty about your income. Yet you see all of these posts on Facebook, you see all of these newspaper articles, you see all of these uh, TV shows about how well property is performing and how you know, someone's made 30% in one year, 40% in one year. But you have to actually sit this out because the timing for you is not right. Even if you bought the best property, you're not able to hold on to it and you're putting undue pressure on your financials. Well, let's lay some examples to this. And because you, because people are probably listening saying, okay, I, I get it, I think, but give me some examples. So you've mm. mentioned COVID, right? So let's use the analogy of timing the market. If you had purely subscribed to that moment in time and what the media was perpetuating, 
then you would look at that and say, well, the timing is poor. Yep. Like, why would I buy at the beginning of COVID? Because that piece of the timing, the market, everything shows me according to the media, and I'm being quite general for the journal clients. I'm not slandering you all. Easy. Um, easy. <laughs> it's, um, but, and the economists and the banking system were saying, well, you know, the timing, this is not the time to buy. Property is going to collapse by 20, 30, 40% if you subscribe to that theory about timing. But if you look at the components that suggested otherwise, at that moment in time, it ticked just about all of the boxes to enter the market. So let's explore those. What were some of them? If you subscribe to the theory at that point in time around where the market is going to collapse, uh, you've got people out of work. Well, okay, yep, I agree with that. You've got this consumer sentiment that is free-falling at the beginning of COVID because are we all going to die? We have a banking system that's telling us that the market is going to collapse. So that's that side of the ledger plus a heap of other pieces that would support that. But if you looked at the the right or the left-hand side of the ledger and say, well, okay, what are the market conditions and the timing of those components that would suggest that it is the time to purchase? Okay, well, let's go back in history. Let's have a look at some of those debts back in 15, 16, 17 in and around APRA who had, as we all know, pulled the handbrake up by the banking system on lending. So participation rates fell through the floor. So what I mean by participation rates is people had the want to purchase, but they didn't have the ability. In a very loose way to explain it, then no one was providing or not as many people were providing accommodation for the future. So the stone was cast or the seed was sown back in 1516 via that. Fast forward to COVID, you had a banking system that dropped rates to unprecedented levels, which was going to have an effect on consumer confidence because the cost of money was just about nothing. You had government incentives, both state and federally, to propel an economy, whether that was the stay-at-home check, whether it was the first homeowner grant, whether it was the construction grant, in combination with easing of monetary policy, so the flow of credit through the banking system was starting to perpetuate. And yet we were still undersupplied and looking so. And we had no immigration, mm. but we knew that that would turn around. So when you put those components together in terms of timing, it ticked all the boxes, disregarding personal circumstances just for a minute. For my point, it ticked all the boxes to enter the market. And I remember we did a video because I think we were in Perth at the time. Yep. And we're saying this this is how it's going, this is how it's going to roll out. Okay. Mind your P's and Q's, be set for the what ifs, but this is how it will roll out. Because our timing, using that analogy, it was ticking all the boxes for us. Mm. Because we're looking at those micro components rather than just the analogy of the time in the market. The time in the market was the subsequent, let's call it three years, where we saw huge growth 
but because of all those circumstances, because of all those components, not because the media, the economists, or whoever it may be said it was good or bad timing. Yeah. yeah. And and I think, uh, I guess the uh, question needs to be raised is that, okay, so we've gone through this major growth. And, uh, you know, after growth, there does come contraction, right? So is the time right to jump into the market now and start up a portfolio? What changes as the phase of the market changes is your approach towards investing the type of property you buy the areas may not change but the type of property you buy in that area may change um will change actually and that's the fundamental understanding that one needs to bring to to the table when they're investing is that it's not set in stone there are some rigid rules but then you need to be flexible with what the market gives you, what your personal circumstances are, and uh, importantly, what's the state of your wallet in in that sense, right? So it could be from the borrowing side of it, but it could also be from a household budget point of view, right? So we've we've come off a large uh, chunk of not having spent money, and uh, there is a bit of revenge spending as such, uh, where people are just uh, you know buying stuff uh, because we're now free to move around. And does that need to be looked at before we jump into investing? So all of those things need to come into play before you jump into into market. And a lot of people think that you should only only be buying in a upswing. You can buy in any market phase. So long as you're ticking all the fundamentals, it's the selection of the asset in terms of the approach, the strategy of that asset is what changes as the market turns. It's a good point, Vic, and to give some sort of practical sentiments around that, and, and I, I agree that it's always a good time to buy a property if you're buying the right property for the right reason, the right place at the right price, and everything's about the right property. Uh, the name's on the tin, isn't it, Steve? Um, I was, was going to something, say something really smart there, but I don't know. It's <laughs> but, but it's true. So, like, you know, irrespective of market conditions, it's the right time to buy. But when you look at, you know, we're, we're sort of, you know, look back to where we started, we've, we've known each other for six, seven sort of major market cycles, um, plus a whole bunch of mini market cycles inside of it. So, you know, you would have told me at any point in time, Phil, it's the right time to buy. This is where we're buying. This is the reason why. So, and this and is what we're buying. This market cycle we're in right now, which is sort of identified by rising rates, uh, fast as they've risen for a long time. Uh, this is the first time I think I've ever been in a rising rate environment. I got into the market when rates were coming down for over a decade period. Now they're heading back up, and I'm sort of comfortable with that. You know, I get it. When I started investing in property, we we're paying, I don't know, 6% on our mortgages. That was just the way it was. So um, uh, it's been drilled into me. Uh, whereas those people who had come into market recently, into the market recently, when interest rates were 0.1%, probably think that's normal. Well, it's not. So considering this market, higher inflation, rising rates uh, for a period of time, different states, different capitals moving at different speeds in terms of price growth, disparity in price growth, disparity in prices. Vic, where, where, where should your average Australian be looking to invest right now? An average being in inverted commas. My kids tell me inverted commas means it's the opposite, <laughs> by the way, but that's yeah. not true. No, so where, where they should be investing is within their means. Yep. Right? So that could be any state. It could be any property, but it still needs to be within their means. And what that drills down to is not just the cash flow on the property. You're looking at the overall cash flow, the household budget to begin with, 
and catering for a interest rate a further interest rate rise one or two knowing that you know we're still not back to normal rates at this stage right and if you're still doing your sums of the, of the yesteryears of two and a half percent you're just simply asking for trouble uh, and we've always said right from the beginning and you can go to any of our podcast uh, any of our facebook lives we always talk about cash flow looking after the cash flow now that doesn't mean cash flow right here right now it also means cash flow down the track as well in terms of the uh, the property, the portfolio you're putting together. And that is woven into the household budget. So they, they cannot be isolated. A lot of people think, you know, uh, okay, I'll, I'll put aside $500 a month for my portfolio and then the rest is for my household budget, right? You need to add that to your household budget and see whether you're still in the black in mm-hmm. that sense because otherwise you just simply run into trouble. You're compromising lifestyle. Uh, there needs to be some level of compromise of lifestyle if you're overspending to begin with, but you need to find the efficiencies within within the household budget in terms of maybe if we didn't want to significantly change lifestyle, let's talk about mortgage restructure. Let's talk about turning all of our loans from principal and interest to interest only. And the cash flow that you free up from there becomes the cash flow that you can help hold on to a portfolio. Uh, or hold on to a property if that's that's the only property that you could buy and making sure that where you buy does not put you against the wall and looking at it from a liquidity point of view with the approach, a negative approach to say that it will go wrong. Life will go wrong. I need to sell this down. What's my downside? And I need to sell down in a bad market. Yeah. And that comes back, that comes back into the, the components of timing. So mm. If Phil and to sort of tie in with your question, you know, where should someone buy? Well, have you got everything else in terms of timing in shape? Mm-hmm. So we've been going, as an example, we've been banging on now for probably in the vicinity of nearly two years for everybody to get liquid, be liquid, liquidize that equity position because it's going to cost very little to nothing to be in a position should you want to perpetuate the portfolio. But that timing piece is in and around the finance environment at that time. So an example of that would be, let's imagine, Phil, that you went to uh, liquefy your equity position at the moment. Well, it is a hell of a lot harder to do it today than what it would have been eight months ago. Mm. Remarkably different for clearly all the obvious reasons. So you may have missed the boat. In fact, I know of people that have missed the boat because Mm -hmm. they sat on their hands and didn't do anything. If, however, you got that timing piece right and did so, well, now fast forward to today, where would I buy? And here's something to go against the grain and against the the data. Go back and listen to that podcast as well. Uh, Against some of other people within the industry, in terms of market timing, I personally am looking to buy you know, throughout select parts of Australia, but I'm also looking to buy in Sydney. Now, that would fly in the face of a lot of what a lot of people are saying. Mm. But I believe that the timing of my components sits fairly and squarely for me to activate a purchase in Sydney. Now, whether that happens tomorrow or in six months' time is yet to be seen. 
because it's not just about what the market conditions are, it's about what the market conditions are for what I need in my portfolio and the type of asset that I'm looking for. So when you look at the sort of theoretical structure of property investing, the where should you be buying is right at the end sequentially of all of the other stuff, right? It, the the who, what, when, where, how type of thing when it comes to investing in property, where you should be buying is your last real sense. You know, it's what I should be buying, when I should be buying, you know, how I should be buying it, how is do I do it myself or do I use a buyer's agent, for example. Whereas a lot of people put the cup before the horse or the where at the front of all investment decision-making where they go, I'm going to buy a house here and now let me go back and work out all the other stuff, which includes why am I buying, i.e., what is my strategy, what am I going to do with it, how am I going to do it, et cetera, et cetera, Steve. A good example of that would be where you should only buy, you should only buy 10 minutes or 10 kilometres around the you know, CBDs, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 yeah, postcards. That's where. Because, yeah, that's where you should And that shapes your whole strategy when it comes to debt, when it comes to structure, when it comes Correct. to everything. Yeah. yeah. Now, we don't subscribe to that at all, never have, mm. ever. But let's just imagine if that was the truth, though. So you should buy in Wolseley over New Point Piper, so Australia's most That's where I'm shopping. Road. Of course it is. Australia's most expensive road. And because the experts tell me that ultra, ultra blue chip is the one that performs best over time. So that's now that's in my it's in my head. Well, I've got to buy Wolseley Avenue New Point Piper. But I'm a first-year apprentice plumber and I'm on $40,000 a year plus over time. So I'm going to be saving for the rest of my life to be able to scrounge up stamp duty. While that market is powering ahead. While that market is powering ahead. So the analogy that, well, the timing of the market in that particular area is the only place to be, once again, is so you're timed just, out. <laughs> it's, you're, timed, you're timed out. There you go. So it's so reverse-facing, so reverse-facing. You know, mm. Once again, look at federal and state legislation and what that's going to do to a market. Look at the banking environment or the finance environment. How's that going to shape a market? You know, those timing pieces, population growth, infrastructure projects, timing, timing, timing. Those Pandemics. Pieces, pandemics, GFCs, APRA, the reversal of the low-doc loan back in 2003. Or the invention of the low dock loan mm. in 2000. Like all of these are the timed pieces that you're looking for. The markets will follow suit. Yeah. I think one of the things that people tend to forget, and, and I agree with everything you said, Steve, they forget that there is a lot of pre work that needs to happen before you're looking at buying anything, right? So um, that's the three W's of investing. So, first of all, you need to look at why you're looking to buy, right? So what's the outcome you're after? Then that determines what you need to buy, which then determines where you're buying. Most people start on the other side, where am I buying? What am I buying? And then why did I buy? Yeah, so you gotta look at it from the right way. Well, that's the key takeaway for this, uh, Victor, rather than, Time, time in the market versus time in the market versus your time out of the market. Um, you know, it's, it's good to be able to discuss those particular ideas and give some sense to it. But you know, the conclusion is is that the market is is more than just what suburbs are going up or down. It's really integrated with macro and microeconomic conditions, with global conditions, with you know, sentiments, media, all this sort of stuff, which is driven by and and 
it's going to change overnight all the time. And that's what you need to be reactive to. But largely, Steve, your strategy should never change or you can tweak it. But the why is largely consistent with, with property investors, the best property investors I know. Yeah, I think the strategy does change, though, Phil, over time, you know, just you know, by degrees, not by... Yeah, by degrees. Yeah. yeah. And I think rather than the, the takeaway that I'd like people to think about is that the market is not the asset. The market is everything before it. That will drive the asset no matter what that asset is in relation to its to itself. The vehicle is property. It's just a vehicle. The vehicle is property. The vehicle is property in right now. What do, we, so what do we look at everywhere? What are all those other pieces that we look at? But I think ultimately, though, Phil, yeah, you do it when it's right for you. Mm. And if people can grasp that and have time on their side, well, then that's a different podcast altogether. And that's the question that all property investors, Victor, need to consider you know, the wine is the timing right for me. Um, and, and that's what you guys do and, and help people unpack that and give them a sense of direction. I know things are running hot at the moment for you guys at the moment, but you're free, you're available. You're happy to have these conversations with with Aussie investors, mate, who are looking for some sense of guidance and what next for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, there is a little bit of a process to get down in uh, and sit down with myself and Steve. We've got a very well very well experienced investor, Melissa. Uh, she is the first point of contact. She gets you ready to uh, then have a conversation uh, with myself and Steve so that you can have the best of our time. So she gets make sure that you're fully prepared. Uh, and then we we then look at the why first, and then we look at you know the what and the where afterwards, because we really want to set the foundation right uh, right in the beginning to make sure that we actually being uh, strategic with the purchases, not transactional with the purchase, mm-hmm. so that we can then safely ignore what the media hype is and bring it back to what your personal hype is. In other words, what you are trying to achieve. Uh, and uh, it is it is a fairly detailed process. Uh, and it's not a matter of just calling up and uh, we, we say, well, here's a property for you because it's it's specifically selected based on the goals that you're trying to achieve, your personal circumstances, and what's the best fit for you based on what you're trying to achieve. Okay, sounds good. It's a process. I've been through that process, and uh, these guys are very good at it. Uh, right Property Group or questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au, anything, or Facebook, they can track you down, Victor. That's correct? That's right. Yeah, right Property Group with the R-I-G-H-T. Gents, uh, really informed discussion today. Thank you. Um, it's got me, again, thinking differently about how I view uh, the market, timing the market, timing the market, whether you're timed out of the market. And to me, the big thing is, you know, timing the market. Sometimes it's timing when you get out. Um, missed opportunity costs or opportunities cost if you try and hold on thinking that time will fix everything. Sometimes it doesn't property, but often you're better off just taking a bit of a haircut and sort of redeploying those assets somewhere else. We can have a chat about that next time we get together. That's Steve Waters and Victor Kumar from Right Property Group. This is Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. We'll see you next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.